Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I am Tim. Today we're going to talk about what we've been watching and then we're going to dive into John Krasinski's A Quiet Place Part 2. But before we get to all that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us and let us know what you think of our show and the things that we talk about. Please make sure you go to Patreon.com slash MidwestPodNet or MPN.BZ slash Patreon and consider giving us just a dollar a month. Any little bit that you can give us each month is very helpful for the things that we make, and uh, we appreciate it very much. Um, but speaking of the Midwest Podcast Network, uh, Tim, what's what's going on in some of your shows recently? So Willie and I just put out a new multimedia. We did Jurassic Park. We compared the Michael Crichton novel to the Steven Spielberg adaptation. Mm-hmm. The and yeah, we mostly we focus obviously on the first movie, the straight adaptation of it. And we also on horror movie yearbook side of things, we did Jaws. So it was like back to back Spielberg last yeah. week. And yeah, we did Jaws. We're going to be Firestarter coming up. But yeah, if you are, if you like Quiet Place movies, I think there's a lot to, there are some similarity similarities between those movies and then Jaws and Jurassic Park as well. Absolutely. So yeah, I've listened to, to both of those episodes and it's, it's fun. It's like, um, I feel like the, the, the multimedium kind of comparison of the two different, uh, uh, you know, versions of the Jurassic Park story are like a very in-depth look at that particular story and how it gets told in different ways. And, um, but you know, the horror movie yearbook and kind of looking at the, you know, the 1975-ishness of it all, the, the, just where Spielberg was at at the time and where film was at at the time, uh, I think it's, it's kind of cool to have different uh you know it's just a lot of different flavors of spielbergs and different stories and monster movies and things like that so right yeah because yeah we did kind of look at uh, in between 20 years of his career here too mm-hmm. so it was kind of it was kind of neat to look at it that way and uh also we talk a lot about the Crichton book and Crichton is a maniac yeah so, <laughs> so the book is the book is nuts it was the first time i had ever read it but the book is a straight-up horror movie at times i started looking at like uh, YouTube illustrations of the novel online, some of the death scenes, because it was fantastic. So, <laughs> That's awesome. Highly recommended. Yeah. I'm glad that exists. <laughs> um, over on the Midwest Game Nerds podcast, uh, this this coming weekend, we're planning to discuss the new Ratchet and Clank game, and um, Nintendo Ooh, yeah. just put out... Played that? Yeah, I, I, I'm like, uh, I'm a couple hours into it at this point. It's very, very okay. good. Um, very pretty. Lots of great graphics. They made that game really sing on the new the new PlayStation Five hardware, so that's cool. Nice. Um, and then Nintendo also put out a thing called Game Maker Garage, which is um, it's kind of like a Mario Maker, but kind of more generic. You can you can make video games with it, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. I've, I've liked my time with that as well. So we're going to be talking about those coming up. Uh, so everybody has that to look forward to. Very nice. Are you guys going to be talking about the new Metroid game? Uh, yeah, I will be okay. talking about it because okay. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. <laughs> it looks sweet. I, I finally got a chance to watch the trailer because I missed the first half of the uh, yeah. first half of that presentation, but it looked it looked really cool. It kind of looked like I, I'm, I'm totally okay with them delaying any sort of prime and just like putting off getting frustrated by that to get frustrated by this. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it, it looks crazy because there's like there's like a thing following. It's kind of like um mr x in the in the resident evil or something maybe where there's there's going to be parts where you're getting followed by this robot thing so i, I think uh 
and it's called Metroid Dread. So I think it's going to be kind of horror-y, which is a cool thing to do that I feel like, um, you know, they haven't really done since, like, Metroid Fusion-ish. Right. Um, so, yeah. No, I'm excited for it. looks sweet. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about some of the stuff that's happened at E3, although I don't know that we'll be able to cover all of it because there's just so much that's happened. But, uh, yeah, no, Game Nerd should, should be pretty packed this week. So Nice. Uh, people can check that out later this weekend. All right, let's move into what we've been watching. Tim, what have you been watching lately? All right, so on the movie side of things, I watched the, on the new movie side of things, I watched the uh, the third Conjuring movie. The Conjuring, the devil made me do it. Ah. Um, yeah, that's on HBO Max, also in theaters right now. Yes. It's, H- it's HBO Max. That, uh, yeah. Yes, that right? you, yep, you're okay. correct. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was HBO Max or <laughs> HBO Go, HBO Discovery. Um, <laughs> but... So this is the third one. It's my least favorite of the three main Conjuring movies. I still had a good time with it. It's kind of weird. It like it sets up like it's going to be like a legal thriller early mm-hmm. on, like or procedural, but it abandons it pretty quickly. In, in my opinion, it kind of just jumps off of that. And honestly, it's probably for the best because I, these movies do not like question the Warrens at all. Like the two main characters, like they do, they never they never question whether these things are real. They just go with it. And I think it works really well in the first two movies, honestly, to just buy in yeah. that way because it, it, yeah, it immerses you. It, it, it gets the audience along with you. It's basically, these are basically haunted house movies, but honestly, when you're introducing like the legal system and the, and the, like the questions that come along with that, you could make for an interesting movie that way. Um, but like, I don't see the conjuring movies as having any interest in telling that. Um, so it, it jumps that and they basically are taking on a like kind of like a Satanist big bad um, from there. And the it's all it's good. The two leads are fantastic as usual. They kind of draw you in um, and they're very likable um, and you buy into their their kind of love story. And I two is my favorite. This one kind of is similar to two and how it how it deals with their relationship. Um, and it's good. This is directed by, I think it's um, the guy who did Michael Chaves, I believe is his name. He did uh, the curse of uh, La Llorona. Okay. And yeah, so it, that was a, that was a stylish movie as well. And this one is stylish, but it's kind of missing those big, like James Wan set pieces that are so important to the first two movies. So, and I think my favorite parts of those movies are that. Um, and also there are, it's missing a little bit of the, uh, it doesn't have um, um, oh, what, I'm blanking on his name, uh, the act, the lead actor right now, uh, Patrick Wilson. Yeah, it doesn't have him playing the guitar like the second one. <laughs> it doesn't have him singing Elvis, which is my favorite part <laughs> in any of the Conjuring movies. Um, yeah, so uh, apparently this is based on a real case. I, the mystery is fine, um, not particularly engaging. John Noble from Fringe is in it, which mm-hmm. was a plus. Um, but yeah, it's it's okay. It's if you're a fan of the Conjuring movies, I think it's it's worth a watch. It's just it's my least favorite of of the main three movies. Yeah, I I um I really enjoyed the first Conjuring movie. I saw that one in theaters. Um, and I'm not normally like a horror fan, but it was it was very very good. And for some reason, I haven't watched the second one, so um, I'm seeing that it might be on HBO Max or Netflix right now. Um, yeah, so I- that might might make me catch up so I can maybe watch the third one, but I'm kind of bummed that it sounds like it doesn't quite hit all the same marks as the first two do. 
Yeah, this, the second one is actually my favorite. Um, a lot of people uh, tend to like the first one the best. The second one is actually my favorite just because I kind of, I buy into um, really the the main two performances mm-hmm. and the relationship, uh, the Ed and Lorraine relationship in the movie. Um, they The two lead actors make me buy into it and I like it quite a bit. It's a very sweet horror movie. And I think it's, I think it's one, it's my favorite James Wan horror movie. So Okay. Um. Then on the TV side of things, I got a couple uh, things I want to, touch on real quick i right. watched the mighty ducks game changers on disney plus the whole series um every week uh do you did you watch the mighty ducks i did younger? like a long time ago and i was never like the biggest fan um but i okay. have seen i think most of them if not all of the films so yeah so this is uh this is pretty good i liked it um it so i think the obvious comparison here would probably be like cobra kai mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but it's a little bit softer edged then particularly the first season of Cobra Kai, which I think has a bit of a, I guess it's a bit edgier in terms of humor. This, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've seen the original movies, but it's particularly the first Mighty Ducks. It did have kind of, kind of a couple more adult jokes in some of it. And some of the subject matter, I think kind of leaned into that. I think you're um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It It's, it's different now though. I mean, it, everything has been a kid's movies are, are different now in a lot of ways. They, uh, they are a little bit softer in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. And particularly, I mean, I, I don't watch a lot of Disney. Like I didn't, I haven't watched the John Stamos show on Disney plus, but I imagine this is kind of similar in tone to something like that. Um, but it's, it's sweet and it's funny. Um, they hit the reset button on Gordon Bond Bay's character from where we like last left him. And it's kind of, it's kind of irritating <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it resets him back to where he was. Yeah. And, I kind of wanted to see a little bit, but those are the, I mean, that's kind of, those are the negatives when the show is good. It's like really good. I think the first episode particularly is really good. Um, and when it's at its best, it kind of feels like a Gilmore girls and mighty ducks mashup. Um, Cause Lauren Graham is in it as well. Yeah. And yeah, she's particularly good. There's a kid, the kids are all really great. There's a kid, um, Maxwell Sim Kansas. Um, can't pronounce any names, but his, especially, um, but he plays, he plays like a podcaster. So uh, <laughs> then he podcaster becomes a hockey player and he's really funny in this. Uh, there's also kind of a nice reunion for um, us olds that like grew up with the Mighty Ducks and they bring back some of the characters, but no Josh Jackson and no Keenan yet. The I read an interview with the showrunner and Keenan has talked about wanting to come back for the second season. So That's hopefully, cool. Hopefully they can make these things work. But yeah, I, I, um, I liked it quite a bit and it is a little bit, it's very kid friendly, but it, I, I enjoyed my time with it. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about here is, so I've been, um, uh, at my job, I do a lot of like spreadsheet work mm-hmm. and it can get pretty, it can get pr- pretty monotonous. Um, but I've found that like nineties science fiction is fantastic <laughs> <laughs> because, because it's very talky and you don't have to like lock in visually with it. You can kind of just listen to it play out. It's also why I'm going to go back and start watching Dawson's Creek again, because <laughs> Dawson's Creek is also very talky. <laughs> yes, and I can it keep is. up with it by listening mm-hmm. for the most part and then lock in when I, I see something else happen. Uh, but I've been watching a lot of Babylon five on HBO uh. Max. It's actually distracted. It It's the show that distracted me from my Dawson um, watch. <laughs> Pulled you say. away. <laughs> yeah. So Babylon five is, uh, it was created by J. J. Michael Straczynski, um, who I mainly know from his comic work, but I think he wrote or did a pass at least on the first Thor movie for Marvel. Um, but I remember him. He wrote a lot. Of, he wrote Spider-Man when I was reading a lot back in the early 2000s. And um, 
it's kind of as far as science fiction TV goes, it's like a bit of a trailblazer in the fact that it 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 did serialize storytelling when a lot of science fiction shows weren't necessarily doing that. Like X Files and like something like Next Generation had ongoing stories, but they would kind of pop up randomly. This one, this one carries it out throughout the seasons. And um, you can see its influence on stuff like because Deep Space Nine kind of I don't want to say it ripped it off, but it definitely used it as a template. And then Battlestar used that and then kind of lost. And then where we are today with like science fiction serialized and serialized storytelling as a whole. But in a lot of ways, this one uh, back in the early to mid 90s was kind of a trailblazer in that. And it's it's really good. And also fun fact. So I was watching this and um, Carrie Hiroki Tagawa from um, uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Popped up in the. Uh, in one of the episodes and I went, Oh, there he is. And then my wife introduced me to, she's like, Oh, we were watching. I was watching Babylon Fine, nice science fiction. She introduced me to Stargate. She's a big Stargate fan. And then later on that night, he popped up in a Stargate episode. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I like screamed as I was watching, like that's him. <laughs> so it was just a fantastic, it was a fantastic day of TV watching for me when that happened. So uh, yeah, that's what I've been watching. That's beautiful. No, for some reason, I, I, I um, there's like, uh, um, when you said Babylon Five, I was thinking of Farscape. I was like, that's the one that has the the puppets and things in it. Yes, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I think Jim Henson had something to do with that, if I'm not recall, or the Jim Henson company. Um, yeah. Company. Yeah. I haven't. That's always been on my list. That's the other thing too. Is Babylon Five popped up on HBO Max, and I've always wanted to watch it because I'm a big Deep Space Nine and Battlestar fan, mm-hmm. and I know. I know this was a big influence on those two shows. So yeah, um, I had always wanted to watch it. So yeah, I'm, I'm about into season four right now. There's five seasons and it started with like a five season plan too. And it, from what I've read, it sticks to that pretty closely. That's awesome. It also has Bruce Boxleitner of Tron fame. So I, I feel like I should probably watch the show. <laughs> he doesn't come in until the uh, second season. Okay. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely in it. So okay, well, I'm sure there's no important setup in the first season that I need to see. <laughs> Just kidding. Um. Well, awesome. Uh, was that anything else you got? Or no, that is it. What have you been watching? All right. Um. So I uh, watched a movie on Hulu called Plan B. Um, oh, I've heard of this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this it's a movie directed by Natalie Morales, who I think um, some people would recognize as Lucy from Parks and Rec, and um, she kind of pops up in a lot of different places. Um, but yeah, she—I I mean, I think uh, uh, you know—I've always liked her when she's acted in things, and she kind of pops up and and you know puts her stamp on things. But this is her directorial debut, and um, it's basically this like coming of age movie for these high school girls. It reminds me a lot of, um, I think it draws a lot of comparisons from, uh, book smart, which was Olivia Wilde's, um, directorial debut, which came out, I think a year or two ago and was also available on Hulu at some point. Um, did you see that one? I did. And I, and I liked it quite a bit. The, okay. the, the girls who are the high schoolers in that movie, I think are very, very funny. And, um, and I think both of these movies do a great job of like, you know, not, um, they, they, they have, I, I feel like most of the like weird teen kind of gross out movies that you see in a lot of ways are mostly just from, you know, the male perspective. And I think in both cases you get a little bit of that 
just from the girls' side of the story as, like, awkward high school teenagers. Um, And this one, I think, Plan B, I think, goes a little bit further in terms of, like, having a little bit more of a story to tell and kind of the the, the interesting the kind of interesting thing here is that the the main characters of this movie um one of them sunny is is uh of uh indian descent and then lupe is um some i i believe is mexican or, or some form of latin and i think um just kind of their experience as, you know, either the daughters of immigrants or just the daughters of, you know, of not, you know, the two main characters in Booksmart are just white. And so you kind of get that, like, it's the white kid experience, right? And so Plan B kind of allows a little bit more insight into, you know, the, 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 a more diverse storytelling standpoint in, in a lot of ways. And I really appreciate that. And, um, and also it just kind of feels like the story has a lot more meaning to it because as you can imagine, it's, it's about plan B getting like plan B pill after, uh, 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 you know, some mishaps ensue. Um, and I think, uh, I think they do a really good job of, not only making you laugh, but also kind of giving giving some moments of introspection about parenting and also reproductive rights and, you know, the high school experience and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's there's a lot loaded into the movie, but it's not heavy, I would say. I think it's, it's very, um, they do a very good job of staying light and also having something to say about, uh, about a lot of different, uh, you know, a lot of different high schooler focused topics and things like that. So I, I think it's worth a watch, especially if you've got your Hulu subscription going, um, you know, plan B it's very good. There's, yeah, um, I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. I have to check it out now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. And you know, there's not, I mean, there's a couple, um, Rachel Dratch makes an appearance and, uh, Jay Chandrasekhar from, um, Broken Lizard also makes an appearance yep. as well. So there's a few, a few people that pop up in different places that you'll recognize from other, uh, you know, comedy, comedy areas. Um, the, the sister in Gemstones is also in as well. And so they all kind of pop in for a second and make a mark and then basically pop out. So definitely worth checking out. Um, I think the other thing I want to bring up for what we've been watching is probably Loki. Uh, did you get a chance to watch episode two? Yeah, I have watched both episodes. Okay. Yes. I watched episode two last night. Okay. I don't necessarily want to spoil anything for anybody since, um, there might be some people out there that are waiting for all six episodes to drop because I think it's a six part series, but, um, yeah, the latest Marvel series is hitting Disney plus on Wednesdays and, um, it's one starring Loki, for those who didn't know, and um, uh, kind of coming off of Avengers Endgame, they created an, an instance where they could tell some more stories with, with Loki, despite what happens to his character in uh, Avengers Infinity War. And um, I really like the show. And, yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, it's... There's something about it where, like... Um, I don't know if you've heard much about the video game Control. It's one. Uh, no. It was. Uh, it's. It's one that we talked. Uh, we've talked about quite a bit on Game Nerds. That has to do with like. Um, 
It has to do with the Federal Bureau of Control, which is this kind of like mysterious governmental uh, bureaucracy, and you're inside of the headquarters of the Federal Bureau of Control. And it's generally much, much weirder than Loki, but Loki is kind of reminding me of that with the time variance authority and just kind of the bureaucracy of it all and seeing how the hierarchy kind of fits together with Owen Wilson's character Mobius and like his boss and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the people that he kind of interfaces with, cause he's kind of like a detective, but then there's also kind of like the SWAT force of the time variance authority as well. And right. Um, I've been, it's been fun to kind of learn more about that, like weird agency and what they do and why they exist. And then also like Tom Hiddleston, I think we've talked a lot on the show about kind of being tired of him as Loki. And I feel like they do a great job in episode one of giving him brand new stakes basically. And like new motivations. I'm, I'm not tired of Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Well, I'm not tired of Loki. I, me personally, but I know, yeah, I know there are, yes, there are some that are. I think, (laughs) I think of the people who have been on this podcast, there are varying levels of it. I'm one who's kind of like, you know, I can take more, as long as he's not like, you know, if if he's not going to turn into like the big bad of the next like phase, I don't really care. Like we can, we can see more Loki pop up wherever. And I, and I really like that, like in Endgame, or not in Endgame, I'm sorry, in Ragnarok, they got him to a very different place than he was right. before. And I was kind of sad when he got killed in, in Infinity War because I didn't really think we'd get to see that uh, character arc bear any real fruit, right? Um, right? And so I'm curious to see where this series goes with that. Kind of by function, it's allowed to ignore that stuff, but also it doesn't necessarily. So... um I'm curious to see where things go. So, so when I say like bored, I I don't necessarily mean like, um, you know, we don't want to see any more Loki at all, but I feel like Loki taking focus in the Marvel cinematic universe, it's good for him to kind of have his own like side story rather than to have him be a central figure in some of the other stories that are going on, you know? Right. And I guess I popped in too, because I just wanted to, because I know there are probably some other people that are tired and just like not interested in a Loki series at all. Yeah. But I, I still like, like, so maybe I'm coming at it from that side of things too, but I think it, I, I've been let down um, a couple times by these Disney plus shows. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked, I really liked a lot of WandaVision. I overall liked it. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier died for me after the first episode. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, maybe was beyond its control in some ways. And some of it, I just, I thought it was clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, this is rope me in right away. Mm-hmm. And there've been a couple scenes and yeah, without getting too spoilery, the, anytime Hiddleston and Owen Wilson are together, it's fantastic yeah. for me. Like the scene, the scene, there was a scene in, with his dinner last night that yes. I, where they were just kind of BSing about uh, certain like time travel and multiverse stuff and all that stuff mm-hmm. that, that I found it was like my, one of my favorite, scenes in one of these shows so far so it's just it's it it was um i remember when when we heard that owen wilson was cast and it was like oh that's interesting but like it's weird to see owen wilson and his like i i want to say his normal shtick but that sounds very pejorative i don't necessarily mean it that way but like 
Owen Wilson is playing a very Owen Wilson character in yeah. the show, and to watch Loki bounce off of that um, is it's a lot of fun. It's really cool, actually, and so it it kind of gives you uh, it gives the story like a new um, grounding to it that I don't really you know the usually the like mustache twirliness of loki i think can kind of be super big and like to have owen wilson there as owen wilson to kind of like pull him down to earth a little bit and and you know kind of um and playing like a white collar office guy yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it works really well yep so um yeah i'm i'm excited to see where it goes i I don't want to say too much more i don't know any other thoughts i was gonna say there there are some spoiler. There are some spoilers that have got me really excited about the, like the last few episodes as well. Mm-hmm. But I thought I thought were uh, things I didn't see coming, and then maybe things I did see a little bit coming, and then was happy to see. So and yeah, I've I've really enjoyed the first couple episodes so far. I'm hoping it sticks to landing. So yeah, me too. I, and I think you know it's it, it's weird to me that like um you know WandaVision had like eight episodes, I think, didn't it? Yes. Trying to think, and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier had six. And I feel like WandaVision was good at eight and Falcon and the Winter Soldier probably could have used more on top of a lot of other things that needed to be fixed. Um, So I'm kind of curious to see uh, if the show is going to feel like it needs more time or not, or, um, you know, if it's going to be kind of just right kind of Goldilocks level of how much storytelling there is for this particular line. But the other thing that I want to say that's kind of weird to me is that, like, I feel like there's a lot of weight on these shows that they wouldn't normally have due to the pandemic. And so, like, WandaVision might have been done a bit of disservice by a lot of the theorizing due to the fact that people are like, this is what we have from the Marvel Universe right now. But at the same time, I also feel like Loki has the potential to have, like, huge implications for the rest of the story. Yeah, this seems like it's very much setting up some big stuff for whatever phase we're in now. Yeah. Um, Just from, and maybe not, maybe not, kind of what I was thinking maybe with WandaVision 2 is, but maybe not directly, but Mm -hmm. maybe a lot of implications that are are kind of springing out of this. Um, But honestly, it might be directly. Uh, depending depending on what happens and uh, yeah yeah and it's doing some things that i mean if you look at the title of the doctor strange movie that's coming out it seems mm-hmm. like it's setting that up big time so yeah and, and i believe the the person who created this show who created loki is the one that they pulled on after um or i think shortly before sam raimi joined Doctor Strange, they gave Michael Waldron kind of the story for Doctor Strange so he gets to work on it. So I think I think in a lot yeah. of ways he's kind of picking up the ball from himself. <laughs> yeah. In some cases, <laughs> but it just feels weird to me due to like the fact that things have been kind of shifted with COVID and uh, you know, like I I'm it's this is the only time that I've been sitting there and been looking at their original like release schedule and kind of being like so this would have come out at this time and we would have known this thing from over here. And like, does it all line up? And I, I'm like, I don't know. Cause who knows what those other when movies are going to talk about. Let me double check real quick. I okay. believe it was, um, cause it was supposed to be Falcon and winter soldier was supposed to be first out the gate. Right. Yes. And then okay. I think WandaVision would have been the next show that's out. Um, let me see. This is the one from comic-con. Yeah, so it was going to be Black Widow out in May of 2020, 
Okay. Then Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, that would have made, and now I'm remembering why that would have made more sense. Yeah. But then also, like, in between that and WandaVision, you've got Eternals and Shang-Chi. And then it was going to be WandaVision in spring of 2021, Doctor Strange in May of 2021, which I heard there was supposed to be, like, a week between those two. Like, WandaVision finishes, and then it was going to be Doctor Strange. And then Loki comes out. So, like... I'm just... This is real quick. I'm happy all of the MCU fans, maybe, that didn't uh, read comics um coming coming up are getting introduced to the crappy release schedule that comics normally have (laughs) just the jacked up like oh is this tie-in supposed to come out like four issues ago in the main series yeah what what, what is the (laughs) reading order the watching order for these (laughs) movies and tv shows oh boy (laughs) it's it's filling me with joy right now that everybody has to deal with what (laughs) comic readers have no but that is okay so yeah i um so i see this playing into a couple of those yeah well and i'm just kind of curious how much things maybe have shifted that we don't necessarily know about did they make any changes to these since they are coming out ahead of their counterparts like you know we've got a whole nother year until dr strange comes out and so like does it make sense that loki's gonna be first or no like i i you know i i obviously you can have confidence in what they're doing because i'm sure kevin feige has thought about it very hardly but um i i think uh it's it's just weird to me that i can kind of sit here and be like what am i really what are they really building towards here with these when we're not really getting the the bigger picture movies of this this wide story that they're telling so yes yeah it is it is curious because i don't you don't i guess i maybe i don't expect anything big to happen now because of um but i don't know we'll see yeah we'll see yeah yeah but uh no i think that's it for what we've been watching i guess a little bit of marvelish news in there i don't know whatever kind of our thoughts on it at least um and uh everybody should check out val kilmer's twitter account that's our news for this we had a little bit of dc news this week too (laughs) (laughs) we don't need to get this is a friendly show we don't need to get into the the film news and film twitter and comic book twitter discourse has been pretty weird this week so i think we can just move right into our full (laughs) review (laughs) hey harley quinn is a good show though by the way so (laughs) no and yeah i mean i still need i still need to watch it so you know maybe uh maybe hopefully this gets more viewers (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh boy yeah we can move on yeah cool What, what are the keywords people should google for this so is it harley quinn catwoman batman that'll probably bring it up right if nobody knows what we're talking about, search search for those things. And you'll... Yeah, I was going to say, any other keyword that's running through my head is priming. I'm not going to suggest people search for. So Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you in safe search land. You should still end up there somewhere, I think. So, Oh, boy. All right. Uh, so let's talk about John Krasinski's A Quiet Place Part 2. Um, the IMDb, IMDb synopsis for this movie says following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world forced to venture into the unknown. They realize the creatures that hunt that they hunt. Well, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. Uh, and this movie, uh, much like the first one stars, Emily Blunt, Millicent Simmons and Noah Jupe. And we also get some Killian Murphy this time around, um, as well. Um, which is great. Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always welcome. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first Quiet Place, I believe, came out in like 2018. Um, yeah. And so we we would not have gotten a uh, an opportunity to discuss uh, that film at all. So uh, you you just rewatched it this week, right? Yeah, I I wasn't like it wasn't like a like an intense rewatch. It was like I I rewatched it to refresh myself and kind mm-hmm. of kept an eye on it. Um, but I did, yeah, no, I watched uh, I rewatched it this past week. It's still quite good. There are certain things you miss though, or certain things that maybe don't play as well if you're not in the theater with a movie like mm-hmm. this that maybe don't play as well as a home. And that did kind of hit me this time, but it's still a really solid, really solid horror movie. And it's just kind of a really solid, straightforward science fiction horror movie. Um, no frills. And I, I think it, a lot of what it's um, trying to say, does a, a, he, Krasinski does a very good job of bringing all of those threads together at the end of it, particularly the family stuff, which is what he was going for and which what he was um, going for in this film, too. So I think, yeah, I think it works on a couple couple levels and it's it's very a a lot of the feel a lot of the family stuff feels very Spielbergian in in a lot of ways in that first movie. And I think it does here as well. I think I think that's the obvious influence for me in these two movies. So, yeah, I, I like I like the first one quite a bit still. Yeah, I didn't end up rewatching it. Unfortunately, I ended up doing like a four-minute YouTube recap before this movie just to catch myself back up. But I did. I remembered enjoying it quite a bit when we saw it um, back then, and um, you know, it's interesting because I feel like uh, John Krasinski kind of got this weird. um, I guess his two his so this A Quiet Place, the first one was his third movie that he directed. But yeah, I feel like it gets kind of treated as the first because the first two were so small and didn't really make that big of a splash. He did the um, uh, brief um, interviews with Hideous Men, right? Yep, that was Is the that first was one. And then, yeah, and I saw that one. I didn't see, I didn't even know of his second one until I was doing research today. Yeah, I think The Hollers with uh, looks like Richard Jenkins and Charlie Day. Um, I haven't seen either of them myself. Um, so I can't really speak to their quality, but it's just kind of interesting to me. Like, I, I don't know. I guess it, maybe it was my own ignorance where I was just kind of like, yeah, Quiet Place. That's like his first movie. Man, he really hit it out of the park. But I think he just made movies small enough that he kind of flew in under I, the radar. I was going to say, those are very different yes. movies, too, from what <laughs> I from what I gather. I don't know a lot about um, The Holler, but I do know about uh, uh, brief interviews with men and that is that is not like this oh the hollers is like a uh i'm looking at it right now it's like a comedy drama yeah with richard jenkins and charlotte copley oh oh, <laughs> oh my okay I, it could be great it could be terrible i don't know yeah uh but either way yeah it's not it's certainly not there's not any monsters ripping people apart for making anna, noise in those movies anna anna kendrick did win a teen choice award for the hollers oh so, well I, if there's any seal of quality out there i think <laughs> it's the teen choice yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think when A Quiet Place kind of came onto the scene, I, w- I remember being kind of impressed with John Krasinski, this guy that I knew as Jim from The Office, uh, directing what seemed like a pretty taut horror film, and, um, and, you know, uh, the cast that he assembled, and, you know, Millicent Simmons, I think, is obviously the standout as, you know, the girl, uh, she, she is, um, she is deaf, and so having a young deaf act- actress at the center of your movie, I think, uh, and, and 
not only that, but using the fact that she's deaf as a way to, um, you know, I think it gets one of the things that you're speaking to in terms of like stuff that doesn't necessarily come across as well when you're not in the theaters. Like one of the things that I enjoyed with the first movie and with the second one is looking at the moments where they choose to remove your hearing from you because you're being put into her shoes. Right. And, um, and I think the first movie did that very well. And I think the second movie continues to do that very well. And, and I think, uh, and I also think that, you know, her, her acting is also fantastic, especially like being in a position where like she gets to carry much more of this movie than she even did than the first one. Um, I, I think, I think she does a great job with it. So Kind of leaking into the second part at this point, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the first one, and uh, I but I didn't really think that the movie needed a sequel, so I wasn't set up to necessarily love a Quiet Place Part Two, but uh, yeah, let's let's get into that one, Tim. What did okay. you think of a Quiet Place Part Two? Yeah, so I'll do a quick, yeah, kind of non-spoileries. Uh, yeah, real quick, I I liked this quite a bit. Um, I don't know if I was just in the right mood for a little bit of like escapism mm-hmm. right now too. this. Cause this isn't, uh, this is, I mean, this is escapist. This is movies, a movie to see in the theater in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I was just kind of in the mood for it or what, but I really, really dug this and it. I like a quiet, the a quiet place movies too. I think I like it. This one a little bit less than the first one. I'll say that because what this, this reminds me of kind of like an old, the way sequels used to be before we got into kind of like serialized mm-hmm. sequels in a way, this reminds me of the movie that kept running through my head during this was Halloween two. Okay. Um, because Halloween two takes place and like what you mentioned too, of putting the audience in um, the, the main um, deaf character shoes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it, it's kind of a throwback to the first Halloween and the, that you are the killer in that movie too. You mm. it's that POV mm-hmm. in that first Halloween. This reminded me of Halloween two in that the slight spoilers, it picks up immediately after mm-hmm. that, that first movie and kind of goes from there. And it also kind of amps up a lot of what makes that first movie work. And it is kind of, it, it's not the first movie on steroids, but it is the first movie kind of amped up a little bit here because we get, we get more aliens from the beginning. We get, we start off with like a kind of a slam bang action sequence. We get, we get introduced to a little bit of mythology, um, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. And that maybe is one of my letdowns with this movie. I kind of wanted to see, I, I just wanted to learn a little bit more. Oh, sorry for my dog. That's okay. Um, I wanted to learn a little bit more about, about the world that, um, that it was at this point. Yeah. And that what was going on. So with Halloween two, you actually get more mythology with the Michael Myers character. That's when you learn that their brother and sister mm. in that one. So it's, it's weird, but that's, that's kind of went through my head and it, it reminded me of those old, like, uh, like what an old sequel used to be, which is, um, I can't remember the exact quote and I can't remember who said it, but audiences with the sequel audio audiences want the same movie, but different. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of what we got here. And, um, I dug it because I, much like it worked in the same ways for me that the first movie did. And if I had, if I have complaints about it, it's just, I do kind of wish we opened up the world a little bit more, mm. but the movie doesn't just, it just doesn't seem super interested in doing that yet. So um, yeah, I dug it quite a bit though. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with you in most, most places. Like I, I don't, uh, as I said, I wasn't really like, gunning for a sequel and what i think is interesting is that i i think john krasinski kind of felt the same way with the movie he 
from what I was reading, at least uh, from IMDb trivia and some of the stuff that was out there in the news, he wasn't necessarily like gung ho to make A Quiet Place Part Two, and uh, he got kind of somewhat tricked into it because they were like, "Hey, just write this, and then we'll give it to somebody else." And then I think he ended up directing this one, um, and it sounds like there's a third one coming from. Um, I'm trying to think of who the director is. Uh, I can pull. I know it up. it's being yeah, it's being handed off. Yeah. To- um, but either way, like it sounded like he didn't necessarily like along the lines of what you're saying, like this wasn't, this didn't come out fully formed as a three part story. Uh, Jeff Nichols is the one who's directing part oh, three okay. as of right now anyway. Um, but, uh, the fact that like this is, it seems like a sequel that it's, that was very much considered after the first one hit and, um, and has kind of a smaller scope. I think in a lot of ways, I kind of still respect that a lot. Um, right. You know, I know I know that it, I think it could be interesting for more mythology, like you're saying, but I also feel like in a lot of ways, that's where some movies can really mess it up. If it could have, mm-hmm. you know, uh, taken some, some turns into like, why these creatures are here and what they're doing and how they ended up here and what's really going on. You know, if it was some government experiment or something, like, who knows where they could have gone with it. But, like, there's a lot of room for error there, <laughs> I think. Right. And so, like, the fact that they kind of hold off on it a little bit more, and ultimately it may not be that big of a question that they want to answer, even in the third one, I think I might be okay with that. But, it, you know, we might have to check back in on that. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, I think I think this once again is is uh, is a very well directed horror film, and and I think it goes to slightly new places, and uh, and really kind of takes the time to consider where the characters would go next, rather than like what is the big story um, that surrounds everything, and you know, and I think in in some ways it kind of deals with both of those instances, but I feel like. I feel like this is a pretty character forward sequel, at least from the respect of, uh, I think Regan is, is the girl's name, um, which they barely call each other by their names. So I don't know why any of them are named, but, um, kind of seeing where she goes next and what she does with the information that they kind of learn at the end of the first movie, I think is a very natural place to take it. And, and I kind of appreciated what they did with it. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think there are some kind of logical weirdness things in the movie that we're probably going to discuss in uh, spoiler Terry, but um, but overall, like I should also say, this is our my first movie back in the theaters. Yeah. Um, and so I really appreciate it from that standpoint. Like it, 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 it certainly there are I think a lot of moments that sing with a great sound system in terms of you know. Um, muting things for everybody and and all the sound rushing back and uh i really did enjoy those moments where they play with with the sound in this movie once again and so um and also it's great movie to come back with because it's so quiet in some places where um where you uh like the you people are forced to chomp on their popcorn a little bit more lightly due to the fact that like it's so quiet <laughs> and so i think uh you know it could have been an abrasive return to the theater with people just chopping away at popcorn, and I'm glad that it wasn't quite that. Well, um, it, <laughs> it, I've had, I think, 
similar experiences like the first with both of these movies in the theater with mm -hmm. the crowd um yeah. which is for the first half of the movie i was kind of like irritated yeah when the sound would go out and like with the people and then people kind of get sucked in in the second yep. half <laughs> <too>. <laughs> yeah and it's kind of what happens or maybe they just eat all of their popcorn by that point I think it's a little bit of both. It depends yeah. on the people. I think Nicole <laughs> and I kind of made our popcorn stretch a bit, but, uh, you know, it. Uh, I think it worked out okay. No, you, um, <laughs> you were fine. Um, yeah, there were there are a couple other people in this theater. That were no, it's, it, I feel like it's, it's always nerve-wracking with these movies because it's just kind of like, I don't want to be making this much noise, but I really want to eat these raisinets <laughs> that I bought. And, did you uh, also, did you think back to, did you have like, like horror flashbacks to the video store when the sound dropped out, like of having a customer come in and go, your DVD is broken. <laughs> like <laughs> the sound kept going out. Cause in the first one, it's like kind of obvious what's going on, but this one, it does kind of, the sound drops at different moments of the movie. And like, there were a couple times it took me by surprise and I could only imagine like getting that at, at where we used to work at the video store. <laughs> I didn't make that connection. Maybe, maybe I'm uh, far enough away from my experience at the movie store that I didn't think of that. But yeah, that's, you're absolutely right. It's giving right. me even more anxiety as I watch this. <laughs> like, oh God, I gotta give, I would have to give someone a refund. Yeah. Maybe it was just a three year lag from when the first Quiet Place came out that uh, it finally affected family video enough to close. And, uh, you know. <laughs> right. Their DVDs are always broken over there, <laughs> but uh, no, no, I think, I think the movie's great. And you know, even if uh, I know there's probably some people out there that still don't necessarily want to go back to the theaters and I don't want to necessarily push anybody to do that. Oh, this sure. movie is going to be out, I think on Paramount plus um, early July from what I heard. Um, so yes. Yep. I think it would be great to watch it on that as well. Obviously, uh, you know, we, we enjoy the theater experience uh, quite a bit when we can and when it's safe. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully people get to see it in either respect. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of non-spoiler stuff, we both liked it quite a bit and would recommend it, especially to those who were fans of the first one. And um, yeah, any other final thoughts? Um, we're jumping into spoilers? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yep. All right, we're here in Spoiler Terry for A Quiet Place, part two. Uh, Tim, is there anything you want to hit before we get to Marina Man? <laughs> no, Marina Man, I, well, this will, I think what I'll, uh, what I'll hit is we'll probably provide a good segue into Marina Man. Okay. And see what's going on with, with old Scoot McNary. I did it, yeah, I didn't know that was him. Uh, <laughs> no idea. He and Jumon Hansu are, are kind of in it, but like... They're not in it for very long. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> what, has a little bit more to do. What but. were they told when they got these parts? I don't know. <laughs> um, so what I I think my disappointment with with opening up the mythology wasn't necessarily with the lack of that wasn't there necessarily with the aliens because I kind of like that the aliens are these old like fifties kind of science fiction bad guys where there's no there's no real depth to them. They're yeah. just kind of they're just kind of big aliens invading the earth for whatever reasons they want yes. like it's yes. like it reminds me of yeah like like an old science fiction movie where like it's giant ants or whatever mm -hmm. um so it, so from that angle like that part of the mythology not knowing more about it didn't bother me and honestly it it, it opened up a little because we see the first day and that opening scene is awesome yeah um it's really good i think where i was a little bit irritated maybe bugged by it were with the with the human characters with the, I want to know more about what the world was like. I never get a good grasp on what the world is like right mm -hmm. now. 
happen yeah. during this time. And I kind of, that's, there is a part of me that, and maybe it's like the, the Romero zombie fan of me wants to see more of what the human survivors are doing. And also maybe wants to see what kind of the nasty that they even go out of their way to like mention that there are, there are people that you don't want to run into out there. And I kind of wanted to see more of those people. Um, and we do see a little bit of their, their uh, Marina man <laughs> and the people on the boats uh, or by the boats. <laughs> Marina, Marina man. Yeah. Um, um, we, we do see a little bit of that, but I, 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 maybe I missed it too, but I, I didn't, we don't really learn a ton about why they are what they are and they're kind of scarred. Right. They Ye- kind of, yeah. Yeah. From what, from what I was reading and I think honestly, that's probably part of why I didn't necessarily think it was, um, it was uh scoot girl scoot. Um, I like, I don't know. It's in a lot of ways. I agree with you because like, it would be interesting to know more about what the world looks like and what's going on with um, what's going on with other humans and, and things of that nature. But also like, I think one of, it's interesting. One of the things that I came out of the movie thinking was like, I'm kind of glad that we're not really going the walking dead route of like, they could have the showed up the to the Island. Monsters. Yeah. They could have showed yeah. up to the Island and there's a fucking, Jeffrey Dean Morgan Negan character up there, like playing Eeny Meeny Miny Mo with whose head he's gonna smash in with a baseball bat or whatever the hell they do on that show. Like, right. I I liked that fact, and but when I said that, I was also kind of like, oh wait, there were those people at the fucking marina. Like, so I don't really know what's going on with them. Like, I was reading a few articles. There's people that are like, are they cannibals or like why are they sacrificing people to? the monsters or like they looked they looked diseased right they look like they had some sort of disease yeah maybe like yeah. possibly um yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i get yeah i get no and honestly i'm with you i'm glad because that is a that is a well-worn horror trope which is in the monster movie the humans being the real monster yeah and it i'm it, it's well-worn territory i'm honestly i'm fine with it i guess i just wanted to know a little bit about what they were for <laughs> like, sure no yeah i couldn't yeah but by the function of the fact that they can't talk we couldn't get anything from them and, right <laughs> and that's the other thing is and like we've mentioned it, these movies like to place you like, you know what the main characters know mm-hmm. in these movies and mm-hmm. you're kind of figuring it out as you go along with them. And that's kind of maybe that's the trade off here is that they don't know what's going on. They don't know what is up with these people. We only know that, too, because that's all they know. Yes. So. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, very much being in their shoes and like they don't know if they're like one of the things of like what you're saying is like we would learn how many people are out. Like, is there, is the world kind of still sparsely populated or are there like a, is there a good population of people that are like adapting and being quiet and have found safe places to live and things like that? Like we only get this real glimpse of like, you know, the Marina people and the Island. Um, and you know, the, the isolated families in like upstate New York or wherever exactly they are. Right. So like, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I'm curious to see if, like, the third movie might reckon with that a little bit more. Um, maybe that's the direction that they would want to go with it. I honestly don't know, at the end of this movie, exactly where a third one would go, other than, like... Where do we leave off? We leave off with the um, the child 
the children saving the adults, right? Like that's yes, kind of, that's that's where it ends. Right? Yeah, and I think I think maybe the logical point of like maybe these movies go smaller than we expect them to go would probably be that like maybe the story is uh, Regan and Emmett as Killian Murphy's character trying to track down, um, trying trying to get uh, Emily Emily Blunt and their son and their baby back to the the island or whatever i don't know maybe i i feel like we're at a the way i read kind of yeah like the last 10 minutes the ending here is we kind of we've gotten almost we were getting almost two movies of the of the adults trying to survive Mm -hmm. with the family and not not necessarily fight back in some ways yeah um and this kind of felt like the kids taking control and saying, all right, now it's time to fight back. Like we have to, we have to rebuild some, like we have to do something to like try to go back to some sort of semblance of like society or just get rid of, try to build our own place away from the rest of these things that are out there hunting us. It kind of, it, it, that's kind of how I took it. And that's kind of what I thought. And I'm not saying, yeah, it's there. She's going to lead like an army. Um, <laughs> no, like no. Of, of humans fighting back. But I think it's, I think the third movie might focus a little bit more on them instead of like kind of running and trying to survive and hiding all the time. Maybe them, I, I don't know, try to uh, take out a, a few of these things or whatever. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Like certainly the, the whole focal point of the movie is her trying to broadcast the signal from her uh, cochlear implant. Uh, right. over the radio so that people could use their radios as a way to fight back. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think you're right in that it kind of like there, there is a point here where like, that's, that's what I was kind of saying of like, m- this movie is kind of the smaller uh, scope answer to where you could go with a quiet place part two. And I feel like there's still once again, this fork in the road of like, do they continue to go small and still make it about the Abbott family trying to get together and make it to safety? Or do they go in a direction where it becomes much more about like the larger function of the world and like people getting back to normal and, um, you know, and I have to say like the fact that this movie starts, you know, pretty much moments after the first one ends uh, given that the intro to this one is kind of like a flashback before they kind of pick back up. Um, I would have to think that that where they would go with the third one, if John Krasinski is the one that will write it, or who knows exactly what's going to go on, maybe he would continue to kind of be like, what happens mo- the next moment after they hook up the thing to the radio tower, you know? And so right. I, I guess we'll have to see where they go with it. And- the tough thing about though, doing these next moments is like, that uh, the uh particularly the boy the kid that plays a boy is noticeably older <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was gonna say i was like i feel like not watching the movie did me a service because i was also kind of like man have these kids do they do they look a lot older than they used to? i i couldn't i it didn't was a have, long night yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to de-age him with the marvel technology and make right him, yeah <laughs> so but then yeah and then the other thing too is like I, these movies have been pretty successful. I mean, this mm-hmm. made um, what the first one did, and we're we're still in the middle of things here, and it made the same amount of money that the first one did as far as, and it's the first one to break over $100 million. So the question becomes, like, do audiences even want to see this thing go bigger? Like, the audience that likes it, or is part of what works about these movies how, how small they are, and kind of that mid-budget horror, too, where you don't have to make it for a lot of money, and you can 
make a lot of money with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 I feel like they have a decision point to make, and it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, if this does leave John Krasinski's hands like they're planning on it to do, what, what are the outside forces going to do with it if he's not retaining control over it, right? right. And so, um, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, yeah. What were some of the, like, you mentioned in spoilers, what were some of the logical leaps you were thinking? Really, the one of the, the the only like big thing that I was kind of thinking about after the movie is like why exactly does the um does the island community make it a puzzle to get to their location? You know why with the Who, uh, with the song and everything? Yeah, like you would yeah. think that maybe they would have been able to figure out how to like record a message and loop it or something on that station, but instead it's just like uh, hey, we're gonna play a song that's gonna make you you know have to do this detective work, which I believe John Krasinski's character was very much doing like listening for other people on radios and trying to pinpoint, like she, she brought all of that, the map and stuff along from him kind of continuing his work to try and find out if there were other people out there using the radio. Right. Right. And so, um, it just, I was kind of like, why is it, and maybe this would be answered by, you know, understanding more about the humans that are around, but like, did they need to make it a puzzle so that like only smart people are finding them or like what, what exactly, you know? And then the question is too, like, is this the best way to go about a puzzle is by, especially with these monsters that are attracted to sound like a song on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who, who in their right mind is walking along the street and being like, Oh, I should turn this radio on so I can find <laughs> right. out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I think there's something to be said where it's like, yeah, people would use radios in a time of, um, the robustness of the radio system, I think makes sense in terms of like times of need and, and, you know, scarce power and resources and things like that but at the same time yeah like you're saying like <laughs> i'm not gonna be like let me hook up uh let's see what's on 98 7 and... <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so so that's that that was kind of the one like logical leap that i'm i'm like it doesn't like bother me and it doesn't ruin the movie no. necessarily but i'm just kind of curious why that choice would be made in terms of like you know you could literally say hey everybody we're on <laughs> whatever this island's name is and uh come come to us here and we're good we have we have a lot of resources and come come find us i think you know i think uh that seems like it would be more effective but obviously obviously right. like maybe maybe like killian murphy seems to know a lot more about the humans that are out there that are shitty uh, yeah, I was gonna say he knows. Yeah, he knows more than he lets on a lot of the time. I wonder if this was his first running with Marina Man or not. Like maybe he knew <laughs> Marina Man in a past life. Um, but like maybe maybe there's gonna be a flashback at the beginning of the third one that's got Scoot McNary and Jimon Hansu in it or something. I don't know. But like it, maybe uh, we learn more about Marina Man. Yeah, maybe we'll get the backstory. A of Quiet Marina Place Man. Origins Marina Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Absolutely. No, I, I, yeah, I, I wish, uh, number one, I wish I realized it was Scoot McNary because, uh, you know, I'm, you know, Nick and I are the president, co-presidents of the Scoot McNary fan club. Um, right. but, uh, but also like, you know, it's, 
it was a very weird and creepy moment and it caught me off guard and I was kind of like, what are they doing? And by the time it kind of rolled through, I was over it already because the, the technique that Killian Murphy uses to murder all of the people that are about to like do horrible things to him and, and Regan is to just call the monsters to them. And I thought that was fucking awesome. Like it was I a great, that was a great, <laughs> it was a great solution to the problem, but it made me forget about like, what are these people doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and so when you asked me that question this morning, I was like, oh, fuck, you're totally right. Like, what is yeah. what is up with these guys? Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe there's other people listening to this that might have a better idea. If, if, if anybody knows what was Marina Man's plan um, and why he was using young children to lure people into uh, <laughs> being destroyed by these monsters or, you know, what were they going to do with them? Please write in and let us know. But, yeah, I'm a little at a loss on that one. Yeah, and I think we're too—we're still too early for like some sort of. Well, maybe not. We're—I take this back. What I say, <laughs> we're only a year into the thing. We're still too early for some sort of like worshiping cult to form, where like they're sacrificing people at the marina to these aliens as some sort of sacrifice to their new gods. But maybe we're not. Honestly, no. I so. think you're, I think you're right. Like that was the thing that I was thinking. About. I was like, why would they be sacrificed? Like, could they really have had some sort of um agreement with the monsters or something but right. the, i think it, i think the the monster's willingness to rip all of those people apart <laughs> kind of demonstrates that that's not really how the how the conversation went if there was like one. A, I, I do really i just want to reiterate i dig that the monsters have no depth like there is nothing but you know, like just killing on their mind oh like, yeah that's all they want to do is hunt and absolutely yeah. no and i think that's the other that's one of the other like horror tropes in like a sequel that could have gone wrong is like for some of the of course the only thing that came up in my mind was like graboids and tremlin and gremlin or gremlin tremors tremlins i want to see that movie crossover between (laughs) tremors and gremlins fuck uh but yes in like tremors when they start like having the different forms of graboids and stuff like i'm i feel like this movie would have been ripe for like hey here's the ones that aren't affected by your sound thing or like uh, you know, the, the monsters that are higher up on the hierarchy that listen to, or the, the, that the like grunts that we've been seeing are listening to this bigger guy or something like that. Like, I feel like that could have been coming here and I'm kind of glad that they didn't necessarily right. bother to go that route. Um, but it could still happen. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Marina man had some sort of deal with the local boss of the, uh, you know, like the hive. Yeah, yeah 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 the, yeah the, he he had spoken with the queen of the brood and was like hey we'll we'll give you people and the grunts are just too <laughs> stupid to not uh bite the hand that's feeding them <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh jivan hansi by the way his character is, is it's man on island <laughs> yeah he, he doesn't, doesn't even get a name yeah, I thought I was uh, from the trailer because I watched the trailer once. I was expecting a little bit more of him, mm-hmm. and he's only really in it for like ten minutes towards the end. And yes, he's, he's fantastic as usual in his limited screen time. But yeah, no, <laughs> I, was, I, I was expecting a little more. I was I was reading the trivia earlier, and uh, it says Brian Tyree Henry was originally cast but oh, dropped yeah. out due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, Jimon Hansu replaced him while the movie was already in production. So maybe, maybe they film film more stuff with Brian Tyree Henry, and it didn't, uh, and they didn't have time or something. But also, like, how do you call a Brian Tyree Henry or Jimon Hansu and be like, "Hey, do you want to be man on island? <laughs> I got a part in the script for you where you can be man on island." 
but you know they got Scoop McNary to be Marina Man. So I don't, yeah. John Krasinski is a very uh, charming. No, I man. think I think you're right. You're right. Uh, the, there is some sort of promise to these actors for mm-hmm. further stories for their characters. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe a Quiet Place Part Three. We'll, we'll yeah. We'll learn the mysteries of Marina Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Any other thoughts? Uh, no, I guess. What, um. Yeah. The only other. I mean, Killian uh, Murphy is a um different presence than John Krasinski in the yeah. lead role. And I thought that led to a different dynamic in a lot of ways. Cause John Krasinski is very, um, he's kind of all American Jack Ryan, you know, Jack Ryan basically <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Um, Kelly Murphy is not that, yeah. um, especially in this movie. And I think he, I think it works as a different dynamic and it does allow for his character to have a little bit of an arc. Um, yeah. Where he got, yeah. With, with the, with the younger girl, um, Emily Blunt still very good in her role as kind of like the motherly fighter. Um, the kids are both good. Uh, I really liked it did work for me. The kind of um, what Krasinski does with the cross cutting at the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, and I mentioned that it really it it did work for me. And sometimes that doesn't work for me. So it's a, it's kind of a, a fine line. Um, well, in but, a lot of cases, it feels like they're doing it for the drama, but like they literally uh, and well, I maybe maybe I'm wrong here, but it felt like there was a real direct connection from the fact that like, if she succeeds, the radio will save her mom and her brother away right. from them, right? And so, you know, it felt a lot more directly connected than just kind of like, oh, we need you to hold out until we turn off the power to the aliens thing, or I don't know, whoever, whatever kind of thing you would see where they normally do that kind of cross right. thing. It just felt more natural, I think, and it worked well. And I think maybe, too, being in, in smaller areas, sometimes when they do that cross-cutting stuff uh, and they cross between different things, I lose track of the geography of the scene, yes. and I think maybe being in a in a cramped area in both of those scenes kind of helped with it, too. But I I, I thought that worked really well for me. And um, he's still, I think, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does next. I think he's a very... I think he's got a lot of talent behind the camera. I think he's very good at kind of ratcheting up tension. He has certain strengths um, mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, the, visually especially too, and the, and how he paces things and his editing and stuff. Uh, that I think um, I'm really I would like to see him do something with a little bit more action too, because I thought that first scene kind of showed that he can. He's he got can the chops. Yeah, he can knock that stuff out of the park. So I would like to maybe even he's he ready for he's ready for his Marvel movie now. <laughs> I think he can take on something bigger like that. <laughs> And do something really fun with it. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think that would be great. I know there are and a lot of a lot of people pushing out there for him to be. I think him and Emily Blunt as uh, Mister Fantastic, and uh, she is she is not pushing for it. From what yeah, I yeah, <laughs> from what I see in interviews, but you can't trust any Marvel related nope. interview at all anymore. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel has like written so many NDAs that everybody just has to lie about it. Just lie like yeah. crazy. The sniper, their their snipers are good marksmen. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've got Hawkeye. They've uh, got Jeremy Renner. Very true. Very true. Yeah. But uh, Tom Holland and uh, and uh, Mark Ruffalo haven't ended up dead yet, so they. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, I I did want to go back real quick and say. Uh, yeah. Killian Murphy, it's interesting because Killian Murphy, to me, I feel like um, when you cast somebody like Killian Murphy, I feel like it could go either way. You know, he could have been like, he could have been one of the people that has uh, uh, turned for the worse away from humanity and also has become a monster. Or he could, you know, they did a good job of kind of putting him in the middle where like, 
Regan is able to appeal to his uh, his humanity and and push him to do more with what his life is right now, right? Yeah, and, and these move. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, sorry, because this tight. A little bit earlier, there is that kind of Spielberg touch to that. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. I've been watching, but there is a uh, there's a it was in the trivia too. I the Brody's pizza nod yes. to Jaws, but it is that is kind of a like a Spielberg thing of maybe a softer touch and maybe finding the humanity in a character that may, like you said, may in some other movie have gone off the deep end at mm-hmm. this point. But there's he's still finding um, ways to make these characters human in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was that was good, and I, you know, it's always nice to see Killian Murphy and things, and um, and and I think he did a great job here. So, um, um, the last the last thing I wanted to touch on real quick because I just saw it as I was scrolling through. Um, we always touch on William Friedkin and his thoughts. Yeah. On what? Yeah, he said this is a classic horror film, and then he said cinema is back. Yes. Uh, in a tweet, so there you go. There's William Friedkin laid in. This he says this is better than um, anything that. Um, What's his name from? Yeah, he's not waiting for the Nicholas Winding Refn movie to declare that cinema is back after the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yeah. No. That's yeah. I'm I'm glad to hear. Always glad to hear from William Friedkin. uh, Yeah, his thoughts. Yeah, on on what's going on in the movie industry right now. Oh boy. Yeah. No. Um. No. It's 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 good, and I'm excited for people to check it out, especially those who aren't able to get out to theaters when it is on streaming. Um, hopefully they stopped before our spoiler section, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it's good. It's cool. Cause it's it, like, I wasn't really wanting a series out of this, but now I feel like I am interested where they would go with the third part in the movie, uh, in the franchise. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm down for another one of these, especially to see if they do kind of pass it on to another director and, you know, figuring out who's going to be the creative team behind it and what kind of direction they want to go with it. So. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we'll try and figure out what we're going to do next time and let people know. I don't really know what's coming what's out. Com- what's uh, coming f- out? Uh, Fast 9, I believe, would probably oh. be like a pretty big candidate for us. But um, yeah, well, it's yeah, definitely something I'm going to see. Yes. Yeah. So that that's that's a strong candidate, but it could depending on people's schedules and being able right. to see it and stuff, we'll figure out what we're going to do. There might be something else in between that, um, that we could touch on instead, but what's the, what's the, what are the movies out this week? Oh, the Hitman's wife's bodyguard. And then Luca, the Disney movie. Oh, is that one? Is it, a, is that one on uh is that a Pixar? It's a Pixar movie, but I'm not sure if it's coming to Disney plus yet. Um, yeah, it is a Pixar movie though. I think that might be coming free to Disney. I think, I think oh, they, yeah, so I'm pretty sure that Disney came out at one point and said, hey, every Pixar movie that's coming out will be available free day one on Disney Plus because, like, okay. it, it might also be going to theaters. I'm not sure. Um, okay. I wanted to check this one out. It looks very, looks yeah. very pretty. Yes, yeah, it does. Looks, very colorful. Um, I, yeah, the, I mentioned it looks like Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the opposite of A Quiet Place um, yeah, right. in terms of color palette. <laughs> So yeah, that could also be something we could check out too. It looks like uh, Friday, June eighteenth at three a.m. Eastern. It'll be on Disney Plus. So oh, maybe I'll check that out. Yeah, yeah, oh, very cool. Awesome. All right, uh, yeah, check out the Midwest Podcast Network at midwestpodcastnetwork.com. All of our other shows, horror movie yearbook, multimedia, Midwest Game Nerds podcast, 
Uh, we would appreciate anybody who wants to come see us. And, of course, our Patreon at patreon.com slash midwestpodnet or mpn.bz slash Patreon. We appreciate any sort of, uh, um, uh, you know, donation or subscription or Patreon, whatever you want to call it. We, we appreciate your support, uh, monetary or otherwise. So. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Kyle XY. Go watch a movie.